Welcome to Mountain View Church Audio, coming to you from the Wilderness City, Whitehorse, Yukon. We strive to introduce people to Jesus through scripture, biblical instruction, and prayer with authenticity and vibrancy. You don't need to know anything about the Bible. Just sit back, relax, and let God do the rest. Have you ever been rejected or wrongly mistreated? Maybe there was a neighbor who called the bylaw officer on you for some minor infraction. Maybe a coworker who lied or manipulated and got you fired. Maybe a friend or family member who has betrayed your trust. When that happens, how does it feel? It stings, doesn't it? It hurts. It wounds us and we experience anger, frustration, and sorrow. But now imagine, some time goes by and that same person comes to you and they're in trouble. They're asking you for your help. What do you do? Maybe you're the type of person to forgive and forget and you would help them straight away. If that's you, that's amazing, but that's not the norm. Most people would say, no way, not after you treated me like that. Are you joking right now? Forget it. Where does that automatic no way stem from? It stems from that very legitimate wound that was experienced. But little by little, it festered and it turned into bitterness. And now that bitterness has grown into a grudge that is being held against that person without you even knowing it. Until, that is, they've asked for your help. And then it's there. As we continue our Heroes of Faith series, we come to a man by the name of Jephthah. Although he was rejected and treated terribly by his own family and community, he chose to be faithful to God and help them in their time of need. Hebrews 11, 1-3 and 32-34 Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. So the book of Hebrews in the New Testament once again sends us back to Judges. This week we're in Judges 11, again talking about Jephthah. Now, if you don't have a Bible, you can text the number on the screen and we will actually mail you a Bible. Or if you're using a mobile device like myself, you can go to your app store and download a Bible app. And then you can just go ahead and have the scriptures with you uh, wherever you go, on your tablet, on your phone. It's pretty amazing. Okay, so wherever you're at, we're going to look at Judges 11, 1 to 3 first. So Judges chapter 11, 1 to 3. If you're using an app, just put it in the search field. And if you're using a print Bible, then you can always check the table of contents right there. Look for Judges. It'll give you a page number. You want to go to chapter 11. All right, so Judges 11, 1 to 3. Let's find out about Jephthah. Now Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty warrior. 
and he was the son of a prostitute. Gilead was the father of Jephthah, and Gilead's wife also bore him sons. And when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall not have an inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. And worthless fellows collected around Jephthah and went out with him. So right off the get-go, what do we learn here about Jephthah? So first of all, it says, it says he was a mighty warrior. So that's his beginning stages. He was uh, surrounded by the people of God in, in a certain tribe of Israel, and, and he is a mighty warrior. His beginnings were as an illegitimate son of his father's infidelity and sexual promiscuity. And that's a hard stain to start your life with. Nevertheless, okay, he became a mighty warrior. But once <laughs> his half-brothers got older, they rejected him. They kicked him out of the family, and they kicked him out of the, their country, like their land. And <laughs> furthermore, they denied him uh, part of the father's inheritance. So he had nothing. And it's kind of hard to believe, right? These are supposedly God's people, but because of the circumstance of Jephthah's father, not really his own decision in any way. He was just kind of born into the situation. It didn't matter. Um, they, they disliked him. They, they cut him out. They rejected him. And that must have been a deep, deep wound. And so the thing we see is even though the, the people have cast Jephthah out, we're going to see here that God hasn't rejected Jephthah. We're, we're going to see that God has actually a big plan for him. And so now he's this mighty warrior living in Tob with these what's called uh, worthless friends, right? It makes me think of that old country song, I got friends in low places, right? That's where he is, surrounded by these worthless fellows, no home, just drifting. So what happens next? Well, if we look at verse 4, we read this. After a time, the Ammonites made war against Israel. And when the Ammonites made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to bring Jephthah from the land of Tob. And they said to Jephthah, come and be our leader, that we may fight against the Ammonites. But Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, do you not hate me and drive me out of my father's house? Why have you come to me now when you are in distress? It's a great question. <laughs> and the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, that is why we have turned to you now, that you may go with us and fight against the Ammonites and be the head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. So those closest to him, they rejected him, but God hadn't. So Jephthah is now faced with a crazy decision. He has a deep wound, I'm sure, and who knows how long it's been. Maybe it's festered a little bit. Maybe he's, he's a little bitter. And now here they come. Wait a second. You hated me. You, you kicked me out of our land. And now all of a sudden, now you're in trouble. You're in distress. And now you want me. And so he's faced with this choice. He can either hold a grudge. Which, let's face it. If we put ourselves in this situation, we're probably like, yeah, they're on their own. Forget you. But no, he, he's faced. He holds a grudge from his past. Or he can embrace this mission that God has placed before him. Hold a grudge from his past, hold on to the bitterness, or embrace the mission that God has laid before him. And so this is his decision. 
And so in this moment, this is the, this is the faith moment for Jephthah that, that Jephthah would be used by God because he's going to realize here, we're going to see this next, that he's going to realize that holding a grudge hinders the mission and helps no one. That holding a grudge, and this goes for us, this goes for him, but he's going to realize this in this moment, that holding a grudge, it hinders the mission of God, the, the purpose of God, the plan for God that's been set before us, but it also, it helps no one. It helps no one. And so we see that Jephthah makes the right decision in the next set of verses. We read, Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, if you bring me home again to fight against the Ammonites and the Lord gives them over to me, I will be your head. And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, the Lord will be witness between us if we do not do as you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead and the people made him head and leader over them. And Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord at Mizpah. So we learn a few things here, right? So what's the mission? The big mission that is set before Jephthah is that he's going to lead God's people against this evil foreign army. The Ammonites are, uh, like we talked about before, the, the Philistines, they're this uh, foreign tribe that does not follow the one true God. They have immoral uh, idol worship and deviant acts, and, and they're overtaking God's people. And so the mission is for uh, Israel to kind of be restored and God will always restore his people. He's always there, even though, remember when we're in the judges, we've talked about this past couple of weeks, we're in the judges and there's this strange situation that's always going on where the people, you know, stop living for God, stop worshiping him. They start doing all the things that the foreign nations do. And then God kind of lets them go to the end of their own sinful, self-destructive behavior. But then they're like, ah, we need help. God's faithful, sends them a judge. We're in this situation again, but another very unlikely hero, a very unlikely judge. But who's involved here? Well, this isn't just, you know, Jephthah's brothers that are now become elders of the tribe. Time's gone on. This isn't just about Jephthah. This, this is really about all God's people this time, the whole tribe that's going to be under attack. And, and so what we see is Jephthah has to pause here and say, okay, this is bigger than me. This isn't just about me and my feelings and my wounds and my hurts. This is, this is a place where Jephthah has to not be self-focused right? He, he, he could, he could be self-focused. He could just return to the wilderness, return to Tob with his foreign worthless friends and, and just be a drifter again and forget about all this. And he could have just said, you know what? Serves you right. And let the Ammonites take over. But again, doing that, it hurts everyone. No one wins other than the Ammonites who, who God clearly doesn't want to conquer in this moment. There's a bigger thing at play. Remember last week we talked about God's got a plan. He's got a purpose and he's going to have that out. And Jephthah is very sensitive to that. Clearly he gets the mission that God wants to have him on and that he realizes if he holds the grudge, he's going to hinder the mission and help no one that's involved in the crisis that was about to unfold. And so here's the thing. Instead of holding the grudge and letting the Ammonites uh, suffer, he, he's going to be in it. He's, he's going to say, all right, I'll do it. But notice this one piece, you know, maybe you're saying like, how can he do that? Like, how can he just let that go? And that's a great question. 
like if you've placed yourself in Jephthah's shoes, you're kind of like, wow, like, I don't know if I could do that. And, and for me, I, as I think about this, I don't know if I could do it either. But the key is actually found in these verses we just read. It, because if you look at what he says, he says, if you bring me home, it, it, look at this, and the Lord gives them over to me. And then le- later on, it says, I will lead you. Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord. And even the elders, the people that once kicked him out of the community and the family, are now also saying, okay, uh, we get it. We are focused on something bigger here. And says, let the Lord be witness between us. If, if it is not so, if we, don't, if we won't do this, if we don't keep our promise, the Lord will be our witness. So what we see is there is a focus. First, I think you know, initiated by Jephthah and responded by those that once denied him, rejected him, wounded him, that all of a sudden this crisis has brought about a a unifying spirit, all focused on God's will, God's power, God's plan. And and so we, we see here that focus and dependency is on the Lord's will now, the Lord's mission, not on ours. This is bigger than us. And that's important for us to understand too, because there's a key there for us to, to think about. Because what we see is that out of the pain, out of the pain and division, God can bring healing and restoration. Out of your pain and division, the pain and division that you're experiencing from whatever wound that you're carrying, whatever bit is all that, you may not believe in this moment, but he can. God can bring healing and restoration. And sometimes it's when there's a bigger crisis at play that people kind of put the weapons down, put the, put the grudge down and say, okay, we got a bigger problem here. So what happens? We read, if you scroll down to the end of chapter 11 and verse 32, so Jephthah crossed over to the Ammonites to fight against them and the Lord gave them into his hand and he struck them from Aror uh, to the neighborhood of Mineth, 20 cities, and as far as Abel Karamim, with a great blow. So the Ammonites were subdued before the people of Israel. And what we see is Jephthah, in fact, once the illegitimate son of, of a tribal leader in the people of Israel is now very legitimate, not just brought back into the family community, but he is now, he is now brought back to the place of a great judge. And this is actually where his faith, his reliance on God's plan and God's mission, that this is where he not only becomes a great judge of Israel, but, but this is where he becomes a historical hero. This is why from judges all the way up to the New Testament in Hebrews and Hebrews 11, Jephthah is mentioned as a hero of faith. And we read about it, right? Hebrews 11, 32 to 34. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Jephthah, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. You see, that made strong in weakness is important, right? He actually came from a very weak spot from birth. He had... Things were against him. The world was against him from the get-go. But we see that he, he was able to be made stronger of that weakness and he became a mighty warrior. I once heard it said that holding a grudge is like mixing up a toxic poison that's intended for your worst enemy 
but then deciding every day to take a little sip of it. We end up poisoning ourselves more than anyone else. Our bitterness and our wound, it, it hurts us. And, and if we look at Jephthah as the example for us, he carried many wounds. He actually carried, in fact, if we look at it, many justifications for bitterness. As far as our world standards, they would have told, told Jephthah, you don't owe them anything. Look at what they did to you. Like, look at this. Your father started it all in this whole process, but okay, you, you were born, which is amazing. And, and you even became a mighty warrior out of that really difficult situation. That's amazing. But it didn't matter that he was an, a, a mighty warrior uh, of Israel. Because of his beginnings, they looked down at him. And, and of course, rejected his family community, forced to live in a foreign land with worthless company. He had, from the world standards, tons of justification to be bitter and hold that grudge. He had every reason to let the bitterness sink in. But he decided to let go. He decided to be faithful to God's mission and help everyone. And there was restoration. And we can do the same thing. We can make a choice today. If you're struggling with bitterness, with a grudge, with a past wound, you can make a choice. We can make a choice to do the same, realizing that holding the grudge not only hinders the mission of God, the purpose and plan that he has for you, has for the church, has for the world. Not only does it hinder that, it helps no one. Because everyone involved is, is all hindered by it too. But the other thing is it hurts the holder. It hurts the person holding the grudge. I want to say that again. Holding a grudge not only hinders the mission and helps no one, but it also hurts the holder. See, that's a poison thing. Mixing up the poison and then just drinking it. This is for your enemy, but they're out there doing their own thing. You're actually just drinking it yourself. And every time you let the bitterness seep in more and fester more, it's just more of that toxin. Biology kind of shows us that that, that anxiety and that grudge and that bitterness, it can actually impact our health. It can take years off our life. What's the point? But maybe you're thinking, Jeremy, this is all fine and dandy, but you do not know. You do not know what these people have put me through. You know, you're thinking here, like, I see this with Jephthah, I get it, but my thing, it haunts me. I carry this wound with me everywhere I go. And you're right, I, I don't know. I don't know your pain, I don't know what it's going through, what you're going through, I don't know what it's like, but God does. More importantly, God enters the pain. And if you're new to church and new to Christianity, you're you're kind of not really sure like even what that means. And I'd like to explain it. You see, all human beings are fallen people that are hurting. And we're hurting people that hurt others. If we're honest with ourselves, every single one of us has wounded someone. We've wounded someone. I have, you have, everyone you know, we've said things, done things, acted in ways that we regret, said things that we regret. And yes, I get it. Some are worse than others. Some people do terrible things to, to others. Sinful, terrible things, terrible acts. And that person did nothing wrong. But th this problem is in all human beings. To varying degrees, I understand. It's hurt people, hurting people over and over again. And God shows us through scripture that this problem is called sin. Sin causes the hurting, the wounds, and it just, it perpetuates. And it's been perpetuating for a long time. 
in our sin. We hurt other people and people hurt us and ultimately we're hurting God. We're not following what he's designed, that we would be in perfect relationship with him. Our, our sin gets in the way. But thankfully, God sent his son, Jesus. He sent himself to pay for that sin on the cross. I want to read uh, the prophet Isaiah says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Now, I, I get it. If you're new to church, you're reading that over. You're like, well, how, I don't get it. That doesn't, how does that make sense? How, his, how, how with his wounds are we healed? Well, you see all that, all the wounding and the bitterness and the hurt people, hurting people, it was placed on him, even though he was perfect. He became actually the perfect sacrifice to remove the sin of the world so that we might have access to a holy, righteous, perfect God. And so even the grudge that you're holding, the bitterness that you're holding, even the wounds that were placed in you, those terrible wounds, Jesus paid for those. He took them at the cross. And what's crazy is on the cross... He was perfect, and yet, you know, they beat him, they whipped him, they spit on him, they mocked him, nail him to a cross, and even in that moment, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And you're like, what? What? How could he do that? How could he be so perfect, take all that punishment, and take all the sin of the world, and still say, Father, forgive them? It's because there was a bigger thing at play. And you see, Jesus had more reason to hold a grudge than anyone in history, and yet he displayed forgiveness. He shows us the way. He shows us the freedom, recovery, restoration, reconciliation, redemption, all those beautiful things that we long for when we're burdened and we're hurting and we're holding the bitterness and grudge. We long for those things. But we don't know how to let go of them. We need to lay them on him. He is saying, I will take them and give you the freedom that you long for. See, Jesus offers f forgiveness and restoration so that we can begin the process of forgiving and restoring against those who, who have sinned against us. It, it is impossible to have full forgiveness and restoration unless we, under God, have been forgiven and restored. And that's why God sent Jesus. And you, if you haven't before, you can in this moment start a new life with God in right union with God through Jesus. And you can begin letting go of that stuff that's festering and finally stop experiencing the anxiety or maybe even the physical effects of that bitterness and just put it aside. You can recover. You can have freedom. Today we're going to have communion. You see, before Jesus was crucified, we, we have this Last Supper, as it's called, where uh, Jesus uses an old thing, the Passover, and he's going to transform it into something new. And there's bread and there's cup with, with wine. And he's going to use these as symbols of the bread and the body. And he's actually going to point to the crucifixion. He's pointing to a future time that was fulfilled right after where his body would be kind of the, the, the payment, where his blood would be the sacrificial atonement. 
And he's, he's showing his disciples this at the time. This is to come, but it's a good thing. It's going to be terrible for you to watch. It's going to be terrible f- to experience, but it's pointing to a good thing because at that cross, your sin will be finished. It'll be done. And three days later, he rose from the grave and conquered sin and death, and he ascended to heaven. He's alive, and he's going to come back one day. But in this communion time, we now, he he told us that you need to keep doing this because this is a time for us to remember. And and when we take that bread representing his body, we take that cup representing his blood, that we're coming back to that moment right before the crucifixion where we can fix our eyes on, on what took place at the cross and we can say, okay, that's right. I'm forgiven. He paid for my stuff. Now I can forgive I can lay down my stuff. I can lay down my wounds because because of his wounds. And so if you're new to church, if you're new to Christianity and you, for the first time, maybe you're feeling God's Holy Spirit say, it's time. It's time to let me love you. It's time to let God love you, to accept his son Jesus, to start new life with Jesus, to lay down everything you hold and maybe working so hard in your faith and spirituality and trying to do everything and trying to keep everything shoved down. Well, now don't do that anymore. Lay it at the cross of Jesus and say, I want to be free. I want to be a new person. You can be what's called in scripture being reborn. You have a new life with Jesus. And maybe for you today, this is that moment. That maybe for the first time you're going to take this communion, which is for believers in Jesus, and you're going to do that for the first time today after laying all this down. But maybe you know Jesus. And you've been listening to this, and you've been hearing Jephthah's story. You've been reflecting on Jesus and the cross and everything he went through. And maybe for you, you're holding a grudge. There's a bitterness that's been deep down. Maybe it's a shallow bitterness and it was just from a couple weeks ago and you've been holding on to it and you just let it go that's easier but maybe for you this is something from a long ago decades ago and you've been holding it and holding it and it's eating you up inside and you know Jesus and you know that you're supposed to let this go but it just stays there well this is the time like this is the day we can do this before we enter into communion where we remember the payment remember the sacrifice we can actually say together Okay, we're going to lay it all down. We are going to, we're going to pull a Jephthah today. We're going to look at our justification to be better. We got enough, you know, enough reason to just get after them, but we're going to choose God's mission. We're going to choose his purpose and plan. We're going to choose to help corporately God's church. We're going to help everyone. And most of all, we're going to help ourselves in a sense by letting go. And so whether you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time today or you just, you just want to take a moment to just let go of that grudge and bitterness, we're going to pray together and you can pray wherever you're at and let's lay it all down and then we're going to come to the communion table with some bread, grape juice or wine and we're going to remember the sacrifice of Jesus and how we're free from sin, free from hurting others and free from being hurt again. Let's pray. 
Father, for, for those that are out there that haven't fully accepted your son, Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in them and that they would, that they would finally lay down everything they have, all the hurt, all the pain, lay it before Jesus and they would experience rebirth in your son, that they would believe that although they're sinners, they can be saved through Jesus, that they can have new life. And Father, for those of us that have known you for a while, we have stuff. We have things that we're holding on to. And before we come to this communion table, Father, help us. In the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, let it go. May we follow the faith example of Jephthah. And may we choose your mission. May we choose your plan, your purpose. May we choose to help the whole and, and not hurt ourselves and others by holding on to this. May we not drink the poison anymore. Help us to forgive. Help us to restore. Help us to reconcile. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to slip over here and grab the elements. If you're at home, you can uh, pause the video and go get some bread or crackers, some wine or grape juice. And... Uh, I, uh, I'm going to read through the passage in Matthew 26, the, the very first communion we read about that Jesus had with his disciples, and we're going to do it together, kind of connecting us to 2,000 years ago. Pretty amazing. And so we'll do the bread first and then the cup, and uh, then we'll kind of finish up with a few uh, discussion questions for you to do with the people you're with or online. All right, so uh, let's do that. So first, the bread in Matthew 26, verse 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Father, I thank you for this bread that we've just taken, and the cup that we're about to take. I pray that we would concentrate on that now. That though difficult to consider that the bread is the representative of your son, Jesus, his body that was whipped and beaten, that took the punishment for us, may we understand that and why that had to happen. And as we now go to the cup, I pray that we realize it's the blood that was spilt the atoning blood, the final sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you once again. We enter into communion with you through this. Restore us, heal us, forgive us, give us reconciliation with each other. Help us remember this moment, remember how powerful and important this moment was that gave us the freedom from sin, gave us the freedom to not... Let wounds stay with us. Do not allow wounds to cause more as we retaliate. Help us remember your body, remember your blood, remember your sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen. And we move to the cup. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. 
I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Thank you, Father, for this time of communion. Thank you, Jesus, for this time of remembrance. Help us go forth now, this week, as forgiving people, as people who follow the one true God and the Savior and Lord, King of kings and Lord and lords, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. As is the practice for us here at Mountain View, we don't just want this to be a sermon, a teaching time, and then you go and and nothing else happens. We want to make sure that you're studying for yourselves and that you're gathering together with other people so that you can grow together. Because what you learn here is just the starting. This is just a taste that in your own personal quiet time with, with Jesus, that you can unpack these scriptures, read more about Jephthah, because I just... I just lightly touched on him. There's so much more that I couldn't fit in this sermon, like in every single week in these Heroes of Faith. Dig in. Learn for yourself. There's more to his story. All right? But also, we always have these questions for reflection so that, so that you can meet with people you trust, um, either in community groups or maybe in discussion groups in the building here afterwards, maybe online, maybe in your home right now, wherever you're at. Go ahead. It, it takes a, a little vulnerability, but it pays off that you ask each other and you start unpacking this. And maybe for you this week, these questions, that healing and restoration that, that you've just started here, it's going to continue. And it's going to grow and grow through these questions, okay? So here we go. First set of questions. How have you been rejected or wounded in the past? And how has holding a grudge or bitterness added to your pain? All right, as you look at your, your life, almost all of us have been rejected or wounded in some way. And so as we look at that, think about it, talk about it with others, share, hey, yeah, I was rejected and wounded this one time, and I held on to it. And the grudge and bitterness, here's how it added to the pain. Tell your story. Next one. How has Jesus entered into your pain, aided in forgiveness and releasing bitterness? How has Jesus entered into that pain, that wound, and aided in your ability to forgive and release that bitterness, okay? So again, this week we've got some tough questions, but they're important ones. We want everyone at Mountain View to grow in their discipleship with Jesus, grow with each other in the community, and so this is an opportunity we give you, but we can't make you do it. You have to enter in on your own. All right. Thank you so much for being here with us at Mountain View Church. Again, if you want to get connected, click connect. If you want to know more, just go to the website, mountainviewwhitehorse.ca. Find out all about it. You can even drop me an email, send me a text, give me a call. My phone number's there, my cell phone. And I want to help you get better connected to Jesus and better connected to Mountain View Church. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Mountain View Church Audio. If you have given your life to Jesus today or would like to join, serve, or support Mountain View Church, please let us know. Email connect at mountainviewwhitehorse.ca. That's connect at mountainviewwhitehorse.ca. Lastly, feel free to connect with us through social. Just search at Mountain View Whitehorse. Have a blessed week.